You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse, Earful of Dirt is the only podcast dedicated to Major League Rugby. Now, coming to you live from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Thank you for joining us. And I'm uh, Aaron Castro, coming to you from Arizona. Joined tonight by Victor and Dan in New York. Josh, content editor in Denver. And, you know, Corey, he's just hanging out in Iowa. It, it snowed today. Stuff like that. Um, but hit him up on Twitter at Earful of Dirt. Uh, hashtag EODpod. Um, also, submit your questions on the live broadcast that we can get after mid-show. So, how's everyone's week been? Awesome! Good. Pretty good. It's a nice weekend. Relaxing mm-hmm. weekend. Might have to get a new car. Ooh, congrats. You got a new car? You might need to get a new car. By right. new, do you mean used? No, new. Oh, wow. Ooh, I've, I've, never, here. I've never done that. That's, that's outstanding. Congratulations. I got nothing else. Okay. I just hope it's big enough for five people. What? I just say it could. He wants five people. Just in, I mean, just in case, you know, you got four others. Why, why can't he get a Corvette? Mm-hmm. And just have just have spot for his chick. Get a smart car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I won't fit in either of them. Oh, okay. Oh, oh all right. Tesla. Tesla's are nice cars. You should get one of those. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Zero, zero emission car, except they uh, don't uh, they don't factor in the power plant generation. It can run off solar. Um, Josh lives in uh, in Denver, one of the sunniest places in the country. Can't beat that. Uh, Got that. Okay, and now to rugby. All right. Aaron, so. Who are we? For those of you new to the podcast, each Monday night we discuss news, rumors from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union competition. It's a chance to discuss the issues, hear from the league, team leadership, and check in with our friends across the U.S. rugby scene. Uh, so this week, what do we got? So yeah, we we got a uh, we got three matches to recap. We had um, Utah took on I wrote Glendale for some reason Ontario for their second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they took on Ontario for their second and final match at Rio Tinto. It was live streamed, which is uh, great to see. Uh, San Diego hosted Houston for their inaugural home match. Um, the Round Rock Elite Rugby hosted uh, Nola Gold <laughs> at their facility. Um, we got a continuation of our, our 30 tickets to Japan, followed up with the centers. Um, spoiler alert, we have very similar ideas on this as well. Um, some more news, views, and abuse, and looks like actually quite a few questions from Bob. One of them actually coming from Bob himself. So why don't we take it from here, Aaron? So, uh, first half, uh, talk a little bit about the Utah game. Um, so, uh, the arrows come in, take it 24 to 20, but it was really a tale of two halves. And the the way I got to explain this, I'll get into later when we discuss the second half about, I guess, uh, how Utah was playing. But 
for the most part, this was this was a pretty brutal match. What do you guys think? Like physically speaking. Oh, physically, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. even though it, it wasn't perfect, I think Utah still did a lot better. At least, even the first half when they were down, um, they still improved a lot from as they played against Glendale. I felt even though the scoreline was seventeen three at half, there was actually it actually felt kind of even, which is kind of strange. Well, I I mean to be honest. It, I wouldn't say for me, it didn't feel close because of the front row matchups. And I would say because of the scrum destruction, uh, yet the score was closer, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and I, I think it felt closer than what 17, three would lead you to believe. So I guess seriously, really relatively close. I don't know what the word is for that. So close. the conditions for this game were like pretty bad. It, I think it rained the last, the, all of Thursday and all of Friday. And we sort of saw that with, uh, you know, both teams' first chances to score came with, uh, you know, both guys, both captains electing for penalty kicks. Uh, Both fly halves, uh, you know, Kelly and um, Whitby both missed those, you know, both missed their first kicks and then they made their second kicks, which was, you know, for for Whippy, it was a a lot better of a night than it had been uh, against uh, Glendale, so that's important to find your leg. But uh, you know, after that, uh, you know, Ontario scores two tries before the Utah defense is able to really do anything. Um, you know, and the offense just wasn't getting anywhere for the most part in the first half. Definitely in the first half. Um, as if anyone actually watched this, it really took a completely different approach for the second half. That's when it really started opening up a bit. And, uh, um, sorry. Huh. UCLA uh, calling me for my money. <laughs> they just love that when your colleges call you for your money all the time. And I actually That's had... Bruins. Yeah, I had... <laughs> Uh, when I graduated, my school actually had like a 50 things to do now that you're graduated. And I think number three or four was to put the college in your will. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who does that? Shilling no, for pe- money. People that do that. Really I don't, I don't yeah. have an issue with people doing that if they really I love believe school. I believe it. I believe but, it. But to tell someone that they should be excited that they just graduated and, and the world is their oyster, but make sure – to put put Sienna in your will because you might die at one point mm-hmm. and they need that money. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have my, um, have my stuff to CUNY. To Rooney? No, to no to CUNY. City yeah. University of New York just sent You're gonna end up leaving most of your money at Rooney though, most likely. Uh, <laughs> nah, I live at the Kingsborough Community College, my alma mater. Let's go wave. Let's go wave. <laughs> Um, but back to the actual rugby. Um, so like I was saying, the second half is really when it got a bit more exciting. Um, Pakiafu, um, I think his first name is a lot longer than just Paki. Paki Sonasi. Paki Sonasi. Well, that's not, that's not so bad. I thought I was going to butcher that. Um, Pakiafu <laughs> scored. He scored, um, right underneath the post. And that's when the crowd got really excited because they finally, you know, scored a try for the match. And 
I'm trying to get my timing right, but it was either right before this or right after this that Rob Brower from Ontario was actually given a yellow card, which I think was for a dangerous tackle. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I. <sighs> what was wasn't it the case? It was a, a late hit, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was, except the, it was it was high, but I don't know. I thought he could have gotten away with it. It was it was like high. A, I would say a little late, maybe, but it wasn't. Probably a combination of high and late. Which makes me think that the card was more about like multiple infringements. No. But uh, I mean, the reality was, is I mean, as far as the scrum was concerned, uh, I mean, the the people that should have gotten cards since the way they're handing out cards is the the Utah front row. Yeah. Well, um, I think that this card, this really signaled a, a switch for Utah because they, they kind of went on a bit of a tear and they scored two more uncontested tries or I guess that's the... Scored the two. The, yeah, they the scored two, two more one. before yeah. the other team scored, whatever the actual phrasing for that is. So they scored two tries while Brewer was off the pitch. Yeah. So pretty and good. That, and it happened to be when Utah finally realized that they should be kind of throwing the ball out to their backs rather than just trying to run it through their forwards, which was not their strong start, uh, strong set for the match. So it kind of worked out coincidentally that you know the other team's missing a guy, and you your your backs happen to do a little bit better out, out wide. Um, this is when the 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 famed uh, Fetu Uvanikolo, the oh my gosh, he's <laughs> the the Tongan um, all time leading try scorer. Um, this is, I mean, this is pretty simple. So. For this game plan, the way it seems is like I want to say this. It sort of felt like San Diego against Austin, so you don't have set piece and scrum parity at all. But you need to figure out how to create space and then just get the ball out to guys who can just physically run over people, which is what Pocky and they too did. Like this, uh, was it? Uh, <laughs> I think weren't they? It seemed like they were afraid to tackle those dudes. I would be afraid to tackle those guys. Well, when you have a back row playing back, yeah, <laughs> size-wise, yes. I, I said I said in the match companion that yeah, Utah might lose, but you're gonna feel it for a few days after. Yeah, I mean, that, he's him and Lasique too did that once or twice, um, but especially Vanicolo, he's I think he's the guy kind of guy who. Um, you can clearly tell is very familiar with the sport, so he'll run head first. He doesn't have to think um, before doing anything, and I think that's the the scary part. You know, there's nothing really overly flashy or you know really really skillful about him, but he'll run right at you. He'll knock you down, and he'll keep running, and then he'll score. And that's exactly what he did here. And I actually th- I think that's a great point. Is that they're bringing Utah has these guys that have played, and they don't have to think. They can just go. Yeah. yeah. I, wonder, I think one, one example is that for was the he tried to do a, a quick line out or something like that. I forget exactly what happened. Yeah, no, yeah. So he tried to do that. It kind of showed his, that, his knowledge. Uh, I would just stood there and just looked at the ball on the ground. And may, been, maybe actually uh, don't have your foot in, you know, for that. Don't have your foot inbounds. Yeah. That was the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot they changed that because I'm like, wait, that should that should work. Yeah, maybe he forgot to change that too. 
<laughs> he grew up on the sport. He's used to old rules, you know. So that might have been part of the issue there. Good point. Uh, but I love seeing him score. It, I will say, though, and I've I say this a lot whenever I watch rugby, is that he could have gotten a lot closer to the post when he did score because a lot of times guys just kind of dive, you know, wherever they end up in the try zone. But there's a lot of space that they could run towards, and Whippy actually missed the kick afterwards. So yeah. that was just my only criticism there. Um, it, it didn't look like there was even a guy really that close. He could have gotten at least, you know, five, ten meters closer, and that could have made a difference because um, – at the very end, it was 24 to 20, I think. And yeah, if he did yeah. mm-hmm. make it 24 22, maybe it's a different ending. Um, well, if he makes all like, all his kicks, it is a different ending. Well, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. But, um, kicks matter. Yeah. Uh, so, how about the noise? Oh, it was great. <laughs> I loved actually every single scrum they had the Warriors chant or yelling going on and I'm, i don't know I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a jumbotron was telling them to do it but even you know regardless um it was great just hearing warriors warriors just over and over when they were scrumming so the there was a, a short press release issued after the game which i love it's like hey hey everyone um do what utah's doing here issue a <laughs> issue a five sentence press press release right here and uh the Chris Silverthorne said um, he was quoted as like, uh, "This Utah crowd was so loud, we were having trouble communicating on our radios." Wow, and that's tough when the the confirmed numbers were only like forty five. Well, not only four thousand. It was almost five. It was like forty nine hundred. Okay, which is not something to look down on. That's uh, you know a few months ago that would have broken the record for you know most fans, but you don't really get uh, loud fans unless you're in an NFL stadium that's full and uh, every single person shouting. That's really when it kind of drowns it out. So that was really awesome to see that. I do, um, the fans. I do like, so it's like, it's funny, you know, um, like, uh, so at Houston, they're, they're sort of old school. They're like, hey, quiet, please respect the kicker. Kicker. <laughs> you, you, you know, like, I don't care. I, because I am – so it's like, okay, so if you if we're going to respect the kicker, then at 90 seconds, don't run at him, you know, because you get a minute and a half to kick. So I'm, I'm all about – if we're going to do that, we're going to do this. But uh, I'm all about being loud. Because if if it's your if it's your if it's your home field, we're supposed to have an advantage somehow. If you're playing at mm-hmm. home, your fans are supposed to be loud for you, loud at the correct times to disrupt the like capacity to communicate with the other team. Right? That's the whole point. So I'm all about you know people messing with other people's kickers. I don't care. <laughs> well, the, the, the only thing Utah was missing was the bottles clinking. <laughs> 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 and that's why you call the, the crowd the 16 men because they're, the, I mean, they're, they're supposed to have a job as a 16 yeah. man and it's to mess up the opposition. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, some places like, like a Thelman, Thelman, shit, Thelman Park, um, <laughs> I always see TH and it messes me up. I'm, I'm just putting that out there. Um, Victor, you probably know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, I do. Language, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but at Thelman Park, 
Like it goes completely silent, which is awesome. I love seeing that, but not everyone has to do that. It's not the rule. It's it's not like you have to do that. So if Utah, especially because their fans were loud, they were they were having a fun time. Which, by the way, my favorite fan there was the the BYU guy who was wearing all blue, who apparently goes to all of the BYU, I think any games like basketball, football, everything, completely blue. This you know this. this Big Islander guy, you know, kind of like dancing, like doing like a whole like little Santa Claus thing, rubbing his belly too. Like that, that guy was pretty funny. So he's he's my new fan. He should be the mascot. You know, just putting that out there. That's my opinion there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I really love that guy too. By the way, yeah, he's my favorite. Awesome. That guy was pretty good. Uh, you know, it's Only just pretty good. Hater. Well, so it's like so to talk about fan activation. It's funny you're looking at Twitter. Shout out to Brian Ray for not not being into like fans going on the jumbotron and being allowed on the TV screen at home. He's like, he's like, no, I don't want to see that. And I'm like, you know, I, I I don't care. Like I, I want to see fans getting into it. And you know, if there, if there was one thing I learned about these two matches is that people from Utah more than anyone I've ever seen. At sports, uh, sporting matches, games, events, they love being on the jumbotron. Like I've seen people go crazy for the jumbotron, but people from Utah, at least at these two matches, freaking loved it. Like the second they saw it, they all they all had dances set up, they all had things set up. They they wanted to be on the jumbotron, and I think that's pretty fun. They got like probably the best spirit. So Utah is actually quickly becoming my. This year, they'll be my favorite team, I think. Your um, spirit yeah. animal? My spirit and No, that guy is my spirit animal. The BYU. <laughs> and that's the full blue. So, yeah. um, I think right. we, I actually didn't even finish talking about the the game, which this is probably the best part when it really got back-to-back. Um, after the Vanicolo try, um, there was another try that was actually really beautiful, a whippy-to-whippy connection. Um, really brought oh, on that was that was lovely. So, you know, like Jared gets the ball, runs through Just, a couple of players too, which I did not expect from from Jared Whippy. That was nice, and then he yeah. just, you know, offloads perfect, to his brother who just guns time. it. It wasn't even really an offload. It was like a like a thirty meter offload, basically. Like it was it was across the entire pitch, and it was perfect timing too. He drew in as many players as he needed to, so I loved it. Um, so yeah, I mean, kudos to them. I think the commentators every single time they saw the whippies together were saying that they were just practicing those in the um, in the womb because they're twins. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. When you're born with a rugby ball in the womb, yeah, exactly. Um, but then after that, that was actually when the yellow card was done. So Ontario went back to their first half strategy of playing a lot with their forwards and ended up scoring at the 72nd minute. Um, now this these next eight minutes, it was getting kind of tense, and and you could tell a lot of people kind of felt like the the match was getting away. Obviously, they were now down um, twenty four twenty at this point. Uh, um, but then somehow, and this is what really confused me: it's seventy six minutes. Uh, Ontario was actually on like the five meter line, but then one of their players actually took the ball and leaped into. Utah, which is very oh, that was the so so I mean so they get 
I guess they get the whistle, right? Yeah. Um, so Utah got the penalty, even though when I first saw it, because he jumped into Utah and the Utah player basically just like pushed him and just knocked him down as if he was playing football. So it's kind of afraid it was going to go against Utah. You can't leave your feet, man. Well, exactly. You can't leave your feet. That's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I was just <laughs> I like, he was thinking that. I was just thinking, you know, uh, if we have some players on the Eagles that if they, if they were allowed to leave their feet, it would be, it'd be nice. <laughs> it's for us. Um, Utah plays. Oh, I guess. Um, what else do we got on this one? Oh, that was when. Um, so the seventy-six minute, uh, Utah came back and they ended up actually on, I think, like the twenty-two meter. Oh yeah. So that. So we're uh, like, they're like close, and you know, you know, it, it, it almost came through. And and really, what happened was, um, like last minute. They threw it out to their backs, got tackled, and then Ontario ended up rucking over them, possibly through the side. I wasn't really sure about that. I, um, I just want to say that's got to suck. Yeah, you get so you're you're driving, and you're you've probably got a shot to score, and you get rucked over to end the game. Yeah. It was really anticlimactic because you saw that and you're like, this is it. Utah has it. They're going to come back. They got awarded a penalty, came all the way back, and the crowd was really into it. And then, you know, it was just sort of ended at the end. But it was it was a great match uh, uh, overall. Was it? So the front row was kind of – I don't know. I, I, I was interested to see Hafoka, but uh, after that, I think it's – we 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 are just gonna go Tucci at loose head and McClellan at tight head because that there was a drastic difference in their scrummaging when they made that change. Definitely. Um, so Victor, what what do you got? Yeah, and on, and going back on in that point that you just made, Aaron, it, you see that that front row in, on paper, and you say, "Wow, man, arrows are done," and the. Did the Warriors won any any scrums? I think they lost all the scrums, did they? Yeah, I, I didn't have them as winning a scrum. No, they well, no, well, they won theirs, but they they won they won a lot of theirs, but they lost ground every single one of their scrums and every single arrow scrum. Seriously, I'm like, dang it! Yeah. I mean, again, on paper, you think? I mean, well, even well, if they have well, players not on, playing well, not on paper, not on paper, because like. You go, hey, that's a big, that's a big scrum, but in mm-hmm. a center playing loose head. Yeah, well, that is that is true because again, they, they have players out of position. Did, I mean, I understand, but I was expecting a, a little more. Didn't they have a center playing hooker? Wasn't that the? Um, also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's another one too. <laughs> hey, like, don't, don't forget, Tucci's a converted back row too. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Turn to prop. But um, um, I mean. A center playing hooker isn't nearly as bad as a center playing prop. Yeah, like hookers are supposed to be, depending on the style of hooker, hookers are supposed to be relatively dynamic players and be able to run and stuff, so especially like Southern Hemisphere like style hookers. So, which is mm-hmm. I think what they're trying to do. Yeah, but they were clearly trying to mix things up for this match too and see what they got. 
Mm-hmm, exactly. I'm putting you know putting them in different positions to see a uh, mix and match, see what, what happens through, through the season. But anyways, guys, so we haven't even mentioned this, but this is oh, this is the Arrows' first win of the preseason. So that's right. Good for them. Good for men, Good momentum as well. Friends up north. Uh, that's exactly right because they're going to be playing against Robert United in New York, and this Saturday actually coming up. Now, for the Warriors, it's obviously back to square one because obviously they're trying to get things fixed. Because as you probably know, next week, so next week, yeah, next week they play uh, the uh, well, the Alberta Wolfpack, but we all know it's a Prairie Wolfpack. That's right. For those of you that follow Canadian Rugby Championship, now, uh, obviously. Putting players out of position and the knock-ons and defense obviously influenced the result. Also missing a couple of kicks by Jerry Whippy. Uh, but it's my hope, obviously, that the team, uh, the, the Warriors, that is, it will bounce back. Will bounce back. Excuse me, during the MLR season, uh, and hopefully get to maybe be a top four of the seven teams. But I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. So, any thoughts before we go on to the next match? So. On Friday, yes. yeah, on Friday, I had the, I guess, lovely opportunity. I don't know. Um, I spoke on the phone with general manager of the Ontario Arrows, Mark Winnicott. <laughs> uh, so, to me. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool conversation. Um, uh, so basically, they have, a, they have a bunch of things going on that uh, they're really excited about. Um, but, uh, I mean, I guess there's – I had sort of said this because I had heard it from a good source uh, that, you know, there were probably some commercial issues that the Canadians were running into why we haven't, you know, heard more stuff. But he was like, hey, um, you know, heard, heard your comments. Uh, I would love to reach out and, uh, you know, let's have a conversation. I, I want to share some of the exciting stuff we've got going. And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, so we talked. Um, and – you know, he said like that the arrows have been rel- very public, uh, you know, with I guess their con- um, constituency and with the league and about what they want to do, and you know they they said for themselves they set for themselves a June decision window, and they wanted to do their due diligence uh, on off field when it came to sponsorship, like setting up sponsorships, establishing relationships. Home field, they have their home field, right? Uh, and they're going to host an event this next weekend against Rugby United New York. And then they also wanted to do their due diligence on the field. They wanted to see if they could put out a competitive side based mostly on Rugby Ontario players, which, as we've seen in three games so far, they've put out a very competitive side. Uh and, you know, so for them, they think they're in the right place and they're going they're they're going to make a decision. And, you know, it looks overall, it looks pretty good. But, uh, you know, that he said they have the money. They're ready to go. If, uh, you know, the decision was if they made the decision tomorrow, they could jump in and uh, write their check to join the Major League Rugby. So there's there's nothing up with that so they're they just had a model that they wanted to execute and we're sort of seeing that specifically with rugby united new york itself right except the difference is that rooney is already a member so they're putting together a season on the pitch 
um, evaluating that based on that talent, seeing if they need to add anybody, and you know, then they'll be ready to join the league when they when they want to be. So they said, uh, you know, Mark said it. Everything's looking good uh, for them specifically. So um, I I really hope that the decision for them is a yes, and that we see a you know an Ontario team in MLR next year. Yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of just talking about it like it's assumed that they're going to join their mm-hmm. professional that outfit that isn't currently confirmed um, for MLR. The other one, really at this point, being Rooney, which is confirmed. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, I think maybe like Chicago or Dallas are potentials, but we haven't really heard too much on that front, whereas Ontario is actually playing against MLR teams and just beat one. So, and Taiwan with, with the Sabercats. That's right. And Taiwan. So they're definitely in it for, I mean, they're definitely good enough, like you said, Aaron, to make it next year. Um, and they could actually, you know, very well be near the top. So um, the Arrows host the Rugby Uniteds this weekend at uh, York University. York University. And then the. Utah Warriors host a preseason match on their bye, <laughs> on their regular season bye, uh, which is the first week of the 2018 league year. Um, mm-hmm. The 24th. So they, play Prairie, they play the Prairie Wolfpack on April 20th. So, yeah. I'm looking at forward to that. Zion's Bank Stadium. Yep, yep, yep. I think we can uh, move on a bit from here. We got another match that, that um, we had. Unfortunately, the the San Diego versus Houston match was not recorded um, for us to be able to watch like the Utah one was. But I guess we only have to wait two weeks at this point, so I really can't be complaining about not being able to watch these matches anymore. Um, so basing a lot of this off of the Twitter accounts, and, and anyone jump in if they happen to have um, any you know inside info from anyone a.k.a. Aaron, if you happen to have any inside info from people who are at the match. Um, San Diego hosted Houston. Uh, apparently, the, in the first three minutes, Houston conceded a penalty, and Tige leader um, kicked but missed the kick, um, so it was still 0-0 at the beginning. Um, Sabercats ended up taking up the lead at the 11th minute with a quick counterattacking try, followed by San Diego actually coming back and tying at, um, at the 20th minute. So 7-7 here, and Really, for the next 20 minutes, a um, bit of a back and forth, followed by, um, I think, on the 40th minute was Tyson Leader sliding a penalty and then up 10-7 at the half. Um, I think the, the try was by Cam Dolan earlier uh, with a conversion from Ben Sima. That's my first half. Aaron, you got a second half recap. Um, there too. Yeah, so, so Nate Augsburg comes in, scores after the uh, – you know, the 54th minute. So the defense for the Sabercats was, you know, really there. Uh, but uh, for the most part, they were kind of limited offensively uh, in that, as we saw in the first half. However, three minutes later, Joshua Vesey bursts into, you know, the end of the try zone. And it just sort of becomes all Sabercats. And in the final quarter, you, know, you sort of saw the depth they've built. Justin Allen burst into the try zone at 61 minutes. Uh, and then Chris Slater, uh, the starter at scrum half, um, 
takes a pass off the five meter at 70 minutes and then their final try uh, at the 75th minute. I seemed overall that the, you know, the Legion scrum really improved a bit, but uh, you know, uh, the, the result was how we felt it was going to be, you know? And by the way, the result was 33 to 17 going to the Legion. Now, as you could probably tell, guys, this match was uh, a lot closer than we thought. Of course, once the last 20 minutes came in, the floodgates opened and the Sabercats, or the Sabercats, of course. Um, at least in, during the preseason, Legion goes one-on-one, one loss, one win. The win, obviously, over Austin Elite. Um, now with preseason over, both teams now can focus at the beginning of the league. Uh, so on the 21st, Nola is playing, uh, well, excuse me, San Diego is playing Nola, I should say. And then on the 22nd, uh, no, actually, is it? Uh, yeah, so Nola that's playing San Diego or the Sabercats. I'm blanking. I think it is like that. We'll figure it no, out. No, no, actually, no. We got two weeks to figure it out. 22nd on Seattle. And then Nola, Sabercats. Excuse me. Got lost there for Dude, we're, we're, we're take, we'll worry about that on the next show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. I mean, I'll mention it now. <laughs> no problem. We got to repeat ourselves again last week and uh, next week. Excuse me. So no problem. So uh, yeah, um, really not a whole lot without the film to look at here. But uh, they, the saber cats have budgie smugglers, so that's kind of cool, right? <laughs> established that one already a couple of a couple of episodes ago. In case you don't know what that is, listeners. Um. Yeah, feel free to go um, at your work computer tomorrow and look up Budget Smuggler, put it on full screen. No, hey, that was for Houston only. This is now confirmed for the rest of the league. Well, I shouldn't say confirmed, but... Yeah, Houston took advantage of the fact that they're in a, in a, a beautiful beach town, though. Houston, I guess, is, is... Actually, no, is there really a beach near Houston? Um, Galveston? Like an hour yeah. away. An hour away. Okay, that's not the same as San Diego as literally being a beach. Well, you can be in like the metro and somehow be forty minutes away from the beach. So, well, you can see it though. You can see the beach and just wish you were there. <laughs> so, um, just on to the, the next match. Get yours. Moving forward, uh, you know we got Austin versus Nola, uh, the preseason derby part two uh, edition. Uh, thirty-eight to ten in favor of the visitors. Uh, thirty-eight that was, to ten. Yeah, that was, uh, I guess, a little bit better for Austin, um, but not where they want to be. Uh, but for the most part, uh, the first half it was a bit of a grudge match. Uh, teams were, but teams were playing very wide open and expansive ball games. It's just that their defenses were where they needed to be. Uh, for Austin, you had the captain. Uh, the second try uh, they had, uh, you know, fly half Timothy Guillemot, uh, you know, kicks this chip, and Zarnicky and Suniula both have a line on it. And, you know, Zarnicky just signals to Suniula to scoop it up, and he just grabs it and almost gets it under the post. So that was nice. However, you know, Nola answered both of those tries pretty fast. And then 
you know, defenses again took over. Um, going into the second half, it was really close. And then, you know, Austin started subbing in guys. Uh, I think Kyle Breitenbach came off the field with a potential injury. I think he's uh, good to go now, but precautions. And, well, Dan, the bench for Nola kind of did what they needed to do. Yeah, so as you're saying, it was, it was really a great first-half job by both teams with it being uh, 12-10 uh, with Nola in the lead. Um so yeah, great first half. Um, second half, not so much for both teams. Um, so as it turns out, at the 58th minute of the second half, Nola scored four tries in a span of 10 minutes, which brought the game from 12 to 10 all the way up to 38 to 10. If my math is correct, that is exactly what happened. But that is that's a that's a rough patch. Uh, you know, keeping it close for basically the first three quarters of the match and then just like that uh, kind of blowing up from there. And this match was actually very, very similar to the San Diego. It's every catch match again. It looked close 20 minutes before the end of the, of the game floor gates open. And like you just said, Nan in span of 10 minutes, the goal just put four quick tries ending that match. So again, it was easy work. Again, preseason source for those teams as well. Again, they get ready for the for next week. Uh, so I established Nola is playing against Evercats. Austin plays uh, Glendale at Glendale, I believe. Not next week. Oh, excuse me, two weeks from now. He's just, just he's just so excited. I'm so excited. Thank so you. excited for MLR to start that he just thinks it's next excited. week. That's right. No sorry, time. Christmas is another week away, Victor. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Well, two weeks from now, yes. You're right. So moving on, uh, let's talk to 30 Tickets to Japan, uh, focusing on the centers this week. So inside center, who do you got? I think you know who, who we got. Uh, yeah, so apparently all of us have the same person for inside center. Uh, Bryce yeah. Campbell and Paul Lasique, uh seem to be the two choices. Sort of have Will Hooley in here, depending on how we want to play at inside center. Gives you that like five eights concept, and um, you know, that would be kind of interesting. But uh, what do you, would you take Hooley over Lasique for inside center, center or just for, for backup inside center if you had to choose? Mm. I, mean, I was oh. going to take Hooley for, for fly half, so I guess that's yeah. confusing me in my brain. Exactly, but, but the, the, the question no, but the question is the following. Have you any of you guys ever seen Will Hooley play inside center? I have never seen him play inside center. In fact, I've never heard of him playing inside center, but it was a topic that has been discussed a lot on Reddit. Has he played it at Bedford? Um, he's the starting fly half for Bedford. For right. So, but I mean, we saw Mitchell put McGinty at twelve. That wasn't mm-hmm. a nice idea. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mean, it's different. Mean. I'm sorry, it's different for AJ because AJ actually started as a scrum half, then moving to fly yeah. half. So he's but not. The, you know, when we put AJ at twelve, we saw what happened. It was like there was just no connection between AJ and and Will McGee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. 
I mean, I guess if that's the case, then I'd probably go with Paul Desica because I mean, I never even thought of Hooli as a uh, center. Center to begin with. I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't play it. My pick for him would be the the first backup uh, fly half. Um, but if he's there, and you know, might as well put him in. I guess I, I really can't speak on that. So yeah, from it was just a it was just a question because it depends on again it always depends on how we want to play right, and uh, well, as long as uh, as long as Will's uh, tackle rate is better than Faz's, we might be all right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think the two I'm taking is going to be Paul Osike as the backup to Bryce Campbell. Um, yep. That's a crazy one-two punch there. Mm-hmm. Um, outside center, uh, right now, I, it looks like Victor comes up with this 19-year-old out of nowhere. No freaking way, man. He's playing well. Why you, so, come on. Yeah, but he's 19, and there's like of five, course, I mean, there's like you, five you, centers you, ahead of him. You know that's. You, uh, by the way, that's why because people can obviously cannot see this even if you're watching the video. That's why I put a question mark. The kid again is 19. He's super green still, but you don't know what may happen coming up by next year. I mean, I'm sure he's going to play for the under 20s. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. Why and then, and then from there, who knows? You may fast track the kid depending obviously on how good he gets, and you may push it into the Eagles. You never know. So 13. Um... All of us got Marcel Brocky and Dylan mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think. Obviously, think, Marcel over Dylan, obviously. Um, yeah, for the moment. <laughs> Thank you, right? <laughs> we'll see how the knee holds up. See if it's. Uh, yeah, that's properly. You know, if Marcel comes back and he's ready to go, I, I think he's uh, earned his spot. But I also think we, well, what we saw from Dylan is that he's he's got a ticket to Japan. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's. Definitely. I, I loved watching him play in the ARC, and and this is actually something I I, I was going to bring up because we've been pretty much for the for this entire series of doing this whole thirty tickets to Japan thing, um, we've really been picking the same players, and a lot of these players also happen to be a lot of the players who played in the ARC. So, um, is this also we don't really of- have a lot of centers overseas. Um, well, I'm saying in general, all of the players that we've picked. Um, I haven't focused only on ARC players. Yeah, well, what I'm trying to say is have we have we gotten to the point where there really isn't that much fluctuation with the Eagles like there has been in the past? Um, as much so probably like 2010, I think. Like, so... We didn't like. I, I want to say so. The 2015 World Cup saw some new blood, but it saw a lot of people retire from international play. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, you know, like Tim Stanfield retired. Uh, so part of the reason for blooding so many players that first ARC was because like half the squad retired. It wasn't just, you know, hey, Mitchell didn't scout anybody. It was half the squad retired. Mm -hmm. That's a a good point there. And And you have to make a team from ground zero. You know, when when you're trying to do this, I guess tier one nations try to go, um, 
you know, with an average of 50 caps, we're going to go with an average of like 25, I think, maybe even less. You might have to go with less. But I think for, for the most part, I think like the squad will be very good. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you keep consistency in the team, it usually, that usually it works to the team's advantage because everyone knows everyone's um, role within the team. I mean, of course, if you, I mean, you have to make choices here and there, obviously, to to keep things improving. But if you just keep that uh, cohesion between the players that are already part of the team, that usually works. Yeah, especially with a lot of these players playing the same position with their teammates in MLR now with it coming up. I think that's really. I mean. We say this every single week, how excited we are for seeing what MLR can do for the national team, especially in the next two years before the next World Cup. Um, we're not expecting to beat England, as nice as that would be. But if we oh, can man. sneak out a win. Oh, man. Bro, if we can pull it Japan, that will be great. If we can pull it Japan. Yeah, when they were in downfall and we're just on the upswing. But no, yeah, I mean, if, if we can, if we can pull a downfall 2018. Yeah, <laughs> we can pull a steal against. We're playing France, right? Yeah, yeah, we're playing yeah. France. Like, France is just so schizophrenic. I think that that would be the the upset target. Yeah, mm-hmm. or or Argentina, Argentina, which is also known for being so shaky and shaky too. Yeah, they'll come right. out and they'll they'll upset you know, top three team, top four team, but then they'll just crap the bed, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, no, I mean, the, you're the, not lying. The game we gotta, we gotta win is, is Tonga. Oh, yeah, yeah, seriously. Which, have we seriously. beaten Tonga before? Yeah. No. Not oh, recently. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'll take that back. I'm sorry. Well, years uh, ago, though. Uh, it was in the 90s, wasn't okay, it? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I'm not talking out of my ass. Give me a minute. Let me do that already. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. We don't want that. So for sure it was from um, the 90s. Yeah, like so I mean we've beaten Samoa, a team mm-hmm. we've never beaten that is in tier one, but we've gotten close is Italy. Like we've gotten yeah. this I close. Wasn't it 2018, I think it was? Yeah, it was I would really love to see a rematch um mm-hmm. with Italy because we played them two years ago or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, about- they're playing Georgia in November, which is very interesting to see. Yeah. Because I want to see Italy. God, if Georgia wins, I really hope Georgia wins. Well, Georgia, I think Georgia has beaten Italy before. So mm-hmm. um, years ago though, wasn't it? It's been like a long time since they've played each other. If they've played each other, like the nineties or mm-hmm. early two thousands or world cup. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't think much about the world cup. Mm-hmm. But not not in recent years where Georgia has been making a case for the Six Nations. So that's the only reason mm-hmm. why it's so exciting at this point. Um, yeah. But I would love to see Italy come here and play them. Um, I don't know how the crowd will be, but if we can pull a win from Italy. So we, we played them at Avaya. And that was know. one of our most sold out crowds, wasn't it? Uh, I'd have to. Check. I don't know. I don't think it was. We can put it here so, in uh, in New York. There's plenty of Italians over here, so mm-hmm. half standing island can fill the, the the stadium. Yeah, but none of them actually know what rugby is, so I guess that's an issue. All right. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. So, do so we jump in. 
All right, so transactions. So after searching all over the place, I said Kurt Morath was not coming, right? Um, well, it just so happens that uh, he just wasn't going to uh, – he just wasn't going to uh, – to, you know – to San Diego. There we go. Um, Kurt, that's, that's what you're looking for. <laughs> Kurt Morath uh, is uh, will be joining Utah Warriors shortly. Uh, I don't know. Fly half Tonga International um, should be you. a good addition, but they really need they need some front row help and some probably walk help after mm-hmm. Jensen. Jensen's like class, but after him, they need some help. Um, this was also actually confirmed by Jeremy Jordan during the Utah match. Yeah. I'm not sure if he was meant to say that, but he said it. So it counts for me. So, I, well, that was that was sort of, I think that was an obvious one. Like, we're just going to do say something. But well, we knew it because he liked Utah on Twitter a lot. He so liked it was just every kind of assumed. Utah thing. So, yeah, it was just kind of assumed that, you know, if you like at least five or six things, you know, you're going to that team. We really hope that he was going back to San Diego after the uh, stint that he had with the Breakers at Pro Rugby. But oh well. Well, I mean, when I, I had that conversation with San Diego, and they're like, you know, he's just in a different, he's in a different place right now in yeah, Utah. Well, he's not in Utah. He's <laughs> in the freaking New Zealand on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, San Diego added. Uh, a young, like super super rugby product, uh, who has who hasn't been in it, but was a an academy player in Dolph Botha, um, Dolph and then Lance Lampert, who was straight up a Sharks Academy prospect. He's like twenty years old. Um, yeah. so uh, Dolph was a free state cheetah, wasn't he? Or am I making that up? Um, yes. Yeah, he was. He was, he was a, a Cheetah's Academy and Cheetah's Prospect. I think he had like seven appearances with their Super Rugby team. Yeah, and I think he's only like 24 years old. So yeah. both these players coming in at uh, prop and lock, something Respectively. that – Yeah, something that – two things that San Diego really needed, and they happened to be getting two um, – technically trained props and locks, so that's really good to see. And two more South Africans. So mm-hmm. San Diego does San Diego County does happen to have the most South Africans in all the US. So good I to see that headed out there. Yeah, I believe that. There we go. Center Shabby. Um moving on from this we actually we are we got our tweet of the week. It's a really exciting tweet. Um it was actually a response um, by Brett Gosper, who's the CEO of World Rugby. <laughs> um, I say it's exciting because um, it's in response to a picture um, posted about the um, the Legion's match by Chris Cracknell, one of the coaches. Um, shows the crowd, and Brett's exciting tweet is, looks like a healthy crowd in attendance, Chris. So, yeah, that's what he said. Um I couldn't think of anything else this week, and I saw that, so I thought this made the most sense. Um, 
but you know, it's it's nice to see the CEO of World Rugby, you know, actually commenting on this. I know he is usually known for tweeting at celebrities and telling them to come to the Rugby Sevens World Cup. Um, but it's nice to see him do this instead. So it's good to see attention on MLR somewhere else in uh, the rest of the world too. It's a nice transition, yeah. Hey, man, um, that's, what, that's what I thought. <laughs> trending topics, Josh. What do you got, man? We, uh, Seattle Seawolves have almost sold out of their season tickets for the season opener. They had to open up their overflow seating. And as of now, they only have 150 seats left in the overflow seating. Yeah, which is great news. Nice. Unless you decided to buy your ticket last minute, um, then it's really bad news. Um, yeah, I think that's we were. Conf- it was confirmed that someone said that it was three thousand seats at Starfire, which I thought it was more than that. Um, but with the overflow, I think overflow that comes out to about thirty five hundred. So that's a that's a pretty nice crowd. Mm hmm. Good point. All right. On so, to our uh, news, views, and abuse. Who's taking over for this one? Um, so uh, D1A. Um, so the, the only matches on TRC this weekend are Colorado CSU versus Army and Indiana versus Navy. That's um, what it looks like. I checked that before, that, and I think those are the only two. That kind of looks boring. Um well, we all know Army's going to win. Boring because it's only like there's eight matches, right? And you're only giving them two. Um, I think Army's going to stomp CSU this year. So, um, and then Indiana is on the back foot after three losses. So, so Navy's going to go in there and just do some some nastiness. All right. To, I don't- uh, I don't really care what happens this weekend. I'm just really happy that the D1A playoff is back to really all the colleges in one playoff aligned together. It just is, it's so much simpler this way. Uh, people people still have problems with it. Uh, whatever. Uh, for those of you listening that don't know, guys, D1A is, of course, the college rugby tournament ran by USA Rugby. Prior to that, there was something referred to as the Varsity Cup. Not to be confused with the Varsity Cup from South Africa that I mentioned a couple of episodes ago. And that one was independent, and you had BYU and Cal, St. Mary's, a couple of other uh, universities. And that one scrapped. Everyone else is now back to the D1A. Really happy about it. Yeah, the bringing... Bringing D one a unified D one A was uh, really really important um, to college rugby in general, and the Varsity Cup was really a to an extent a weak product. Um, it didn't it didn't bring together the sixteen top programs in in the country. So, which was you know my biggest my biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Everyone's biggest problem, really. Uh, it's also just confusing because there are two different top championships and you don't know which one, I guess there's, there's two national champions champions. So it's kind of, I guess, confusing in that sense, but now we can actually have a real, I guess, sort of like a March madness kind of playoff and see who really is the best college. Um, 
My money's on St. Mary's. Seems like they're, they're killing it. Actually, they played um, Cal last week and beat them. Speaking oh, of yeah. That was, uh, that was an that. intense uh, tense game. That was on Flow Rugby. Um, it was, you know, it's pretty 21 awesome. 21 to 12, by the way, the score. 21 to 12. Uh-huh. It was pretty awesome for the most part. Um, but you forgot about that. Uh, so... If anyone's never been to St. Mary's, they have stands on one side and then a hill on the other. So you can sit in the grass. Really nice spot. Uh, so with how many people were sitting in the grass, though, that must have been a sellout, probably close to like 6,500 because they have capacity for 55 uh, there. And then moving forward is, uh, you know, that, that local broadcast deal with AT&T got done. Um, so every team but San Diego has AT&T as their local partner. Um, San Diego has a channel called Your View California, um, which is available on Spectrum. And uh, Cox. So. I'm sorry. I found that funny. You just shout it out like that. You're so immature. <laughs> We we were over this a couple of weeks ago, so yeah. C O X, okay, C O X. Um, and then, uh, according to Sports Business Journal, uh, USA Rugby will sanction Major League Rugby. Uh, I have solicited for a press release on this. I'm told USA Rugby should be um, releasing something uh, this week. Ooh, um, so yeah, that's good. So it's great news. Actually, on the I forgot to mention this, but on the local broadcast deal, um, this is essentially just making sure that um, if you are watching locally, like if you're in Utah or Seattle or Glendale or Denver or something like that, and you want to watch but you don't have ESPN and you don't have CBS, you can still watch the non-games of the week for um, for your team. So I guess it's kind of, kind of like baseball or – like it's just like an in-market option just to make sure you have the availability. You know, someone like me in New York won't be able to watch on these channels, but Josh, who's in Denver area, I don't know actually exactly where, um, he could just turn on TV and it's like a my local channel or something like that, and then you know, game will be on there. Well, hey, I get Glendale and Utah. Nice. And then if you live in Houston, Austin, New Orleans markets, you get all three. Oh, really? that's, that's nice. Well, I, I didn't know that. Wow. That's even go. better. Mm-hmm. So we need to move to Houston. <laughs> H-Town. <laughs> Seriously. Um, moving on uh, to questions from Bob. Corey. Oh, hey, Corey. Just a moment, everyone. We're having technical difficulties. All right, so while Corey's figuring this out, the, the first question from Bob um, coming from the Rugby Evangelist, which is our friend Grant Cole, formerly this Hello? Is Texas. Hello? There we go. There oh, we go. go. Oh, there we go. Oh, gosh. I thought something happened um, to me. My, uh, my microphone failed on me there for a second. I am so sorry, everybody. Uh, Dan, you were Dan. doing such a great job. Uh, finish up that question. Yeah, I'll finish up this just this first question. Um so from Grant Cole, the rugby evangelist, which teams are deep enough to make it through the injuries of April and May, then survive the uh, Reg 9 window of June? 
which teams are definitely not deep enough to do the same? Questions out there. Um, I know someone has a, an so opinion. I said Glendale and Houston have the depth to survive the whole window. And I said the teams that didn't were San Diego, New Orleans, and Canada, provided, you know, certain people get called up. And by Canada, I'm assuming you're referring to Seattle Seawolf. <laughs> wow, I messed that one up, didn't I? Um, yeah, <laughs> yes, so, you did. <laughs> see, by, <laughs> by Seattle. Uh, so with um, Canada Seawolves. Uh, with uh, Seattle, you have a bunch of Canadian players that will get called up, or should. Should. If they don't, uh, Kingsley Jones is probably on his last legs. Because <laughs> he, he might be on his last legs now. Yeah, um, he just got hurt. Yeah. Uh, then okay. New Orleans, you've got – they've got two Canadians. Uh, I know Howard wasn't called up for the ARC, but I also watched Ray Barkwell – play like 480 minutes because Kingsley had no confidence in the backup. And we've seen Howard play and Howard is so far in, in the MLR in preseason, he's getting after it. Like this guy's ready to go earn the vice captaincy of his team. So let's, let's just do it. Get it done. I, I think the Can- Canadian Seawolves will be fine. Um, the only my only worry is their backs, considering most of their signings have been forwards. All right. I think, I, I think uh, well, I agree with you that Houston will probably be one of the be one of the best for this, and that's specifically because I don't think that there are really that many capped Eagles who are playing for the SaberCats who are at active? least still active. Um, yeah. Well, I think so. Um, you've got a bunch of guys that have been in the system that are still young. You've got Zach Pangelinen, you've got mm-hmm. Pago Haini, and you've got Kyle Sumsian. Um, and then you've also got Matt Truville. And if things go well, we could see, uh, you know, Paul Mullen called into the squad. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I think they, first of all, I think they have the depth, if needed, to survive based yeah. on how they've selected players. If they players weren't selected, then they have even more depth and they don't have to survive because none of their players are gone. Well, yeah, exactly. But I think that I really don't think that there's going to be many or maybe one or two at most from Houston. I mean, Glendale's going to have a lot. San Diego's going to have a lot taken out too because I think they had eight capped Eagles announced and seven of yeah, those were was, on the ARC they, roster. It was... It was they had eight guys on the in the ARC training squad, so not all of those guys obviously played, but they had you know eight guys on the ARC training roster training squad. So that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, Utah also doesn't really have any capped Eagles, so they might be at least in the, in those regards they might be fine. Are you that? Are you? Oh come on! You just you just didn't do that. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say that too. What? You just didn't do that. <laughs> you don't know what you did. <laughs> Come on, Matt Jensen, <laughs> Josh Whippy, yeah, Angus McClellan, Paula Sike. Yeah, they don't have too many. 
Same thing with Houston. <laughs> That's not what you said, though. That's not what you said, man. <laughs> and, and if anything, <laughs> like all, of, if anything, all of theirs have been, you know, um, active. All of them. Um, the CK and in- McClellan was co- were called in. But wasn't McClellan called in later for the ARC? No, McClellan's been there the entire time. Um, Jensen was there the entire time, except that he wasn't active for games. Siki was there the entire time. Um, And Josh Whippy was there the entire time. Like, you are... Four guys, then. Better than San Diego. Yeah, but, Brett, some of those guys were never going to... There were a lot of sevens guys brought into the camp that weren't really going to get looked at. Um, yeah, well, but so because they weren't playing. So so for uh, so for you know San Diego, you've got Dolan, Augsburger, Oudsley, Teo, um, Sima, Sima, and then Which I guess. Is- um, Matias, so you've got six, and then Perpura played a little bit, but I think uh, we'll see. Uh, so you've got six or seven. Right, yeah, so mm-hmm. s- there there were a lot, but the whole point of MLR is not to have to call up all up. And Malon Al Jabori, so and he wasn't oh, yeah. in there like eight announced players, so they had wow, that's actually a lot. So hopefully, they had nine guys make an appearance in the ARC. That's over twice the amount that Utah had. Yeah, wow. but you said you said Utah had zero. Thank you. Did I say zero? Yeah. yeah like, yes. There's like none. Dude. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to listen to that tomorrow and debate that. <laughs> um, so I don't usually uh, say definitive things. I usually, and I'm saying it now. I usually <laughs> just say they don't have many or something like that. So. Whatever, Princeton. All right, guys, moving moving along, moving along. Next question is from, I'm going to try this. Uh, I'm guessing on this username. This is jmy or jman. That's all okay. one word. It may also be jamie or jman. Anyway, he or she wants to know, what will a successful per-game attendance average across the league be? Uh, Three to four. How- um, based on how much money has been thrown into marketing, uh, yeah, that would be, be that one. Three to four people per game. I think we do better. Three to four thousand. Three to four thousand. Yeah. You see, if if Seattle is capped though at, at thirty five hundred for overflow, that does make it kind of tough. Um, to actually get that. I mean, do we think that? I guess. One question is what will be success- successful per game, and the other is what do we actually think will happen? So, all right. So, successful capacity. All right. Um, so, NOLA only has twenty five hundred seats. Obviously, they have. You know, they can throw out standing room tickets. Uh, before I get lost on this, we have played Tonga nine times, lost eight, won one. There we Thank go. you. When we beat them, I ESPN is being mean to me right now. But I heard uh, it was in the nineties. Is what I heard. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, what are we saying? So, 
the lowest capacity ground right now is Nola at twenty five hundred. Um, I'm gonna say that they need to sell out because if we have twenty five hundred across the league, that puts us seven fifty ahead of where Pro was, right? But I would yep. like to see thirty five hundred be the league average since there are some bigger stadiums. Uh, Starfire can be expanded, so maybe they're successful and they uh, throw out you know another thousand in temporary seating. Yep. Um, or San Diego can fit six six thousand. Yep, and then uh, Dyer Stadium can fit six uh, for Houston. And then uh, Glendale fits six, and I think they're the Round Rock capacity will be expanded to twenty eight hundred, and then you have obviously, of course, standing room only tickets. So, saying thirty five hundred needs to be the ballpark number for the league average. Next question. I, you know, I just wanted to weigh in real quick on that one too. I think less than uh, the per game. I think what we really need to do is look at the semis and the championship, and uh, know that if that uh, ends up selling out or if that's a huge number, uh, I think that would be very encouraging to me personally. So, I think it's also good to note that we actually have playoffs and a championship. Yeah, which is this is this is where it gets funny. So. Say Utah figures it out, right? And say they're a final team. Do you pull the game from San Diego and put it in Utah? Because guess what? There will be 15,000 people at that game. Good point. Good point. Because Cal BYU for a championship game drew 15,000 at Rio Tinto. Wow. Not bad. Utah's a rugby state. That's pretty awesome. United States of Rugby. Yep. That was their motto. I don't know if it is anymore. <laughs> All right. Smashed and Bro wants to know, we're two weeks out. Still no confirmation on competition format. And this is something that's kind of been bugging me too. But uh, are we going to be looking at a strict win-loss record or a bonus point system? It depends on the bonus point system used. Super rugby? Yeah. So um, I just don't want people with, I guess, oh, one win less, but then moving on because they have more bonus points, per se. That makes sense. Well, they earned it with well, the bonus no, points. No, they didn't because they didn't win. Wins matter. I'm American. Wins matter well, first. If you have seven teams and you only have ten games, the difference of one win it's like like in the nfl you could have a team with one more win make it but it doesn't necessarily make them the better team maybe they just happen to have the easier schedule meritocracy is based on winning games come on yeah so if a team wins and they score you know it's three nothing and that's that's all they score the entire season but that means they got teams. great defense and bad offense. Welcome to Wales well, 2009, play. baby. <laughs> they played a bad team. Okay, that's what I'm so let's say you got four and five tied at the end of the season, and literally everything's the same across the board. 
Well, then you that's I think bonus points is a tiebreaker. Period. What I'm yeah. saying is like if if a team has one more win than the other and you're going purely based on bonus points, then but when when there's only ten games and we're not they're not all playing the same teams as one another, you know, you can make the argument that the wins against one team could be much easier than wins against another team. Well, that's the way it is in every competition. Well, I don't like it in the NFL. Um in baseball, there's 162 games, so at least it's evened out over a course of 162 games. Need to chop about 20 of them. No, this is fine. Yeah. Now, adding to that question, guys, should MLR take a page out of pro rugby and have no draws? No. What do the laws say? The laws say you can have ties. So, um, what is it? Um, you know, I talked to, I've spoken to Dan Lyle about some of this stuff a long time ago. Now it feels like a long time ago. It's like so when you throw out like super sevens, we we don't need to create another code of rugby. Use the rule book that World Rugby publishes, and that's what how we play. So, uh, on the subject of pro rugby rules, I I do think there's one thing that they actually did kind of write was that line on the jerseys, that red line on the jerseys to help the refs with the high tackles. I agree. That's a really good, uh, that's actually a really good. I thought, I, I thought that whole thing on the jerseys was because as a bicycle company, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a bicycle. shirts. I don't care what it is. It was really comfortable. Hey, I, I just remember hearing that it was to help with the high tackle calls. That's what I'd always heard as well. Yeah, I heard that too. Um, well, that's so. If you look at the practice kit of the Sabercats, the way they had that designed with the line across the chest was specifically for that. Not every team had their practice kits designed like that. Throwing that out there. So I think my biggest thing is no matter what the structure for scoring uh, on the season is. I just don't want to get to a situation that we had in pro where you've got, you know, Ohio who really came on in the second half of the season uh, and beat Denver still managed to not win the championship because Denver won on bonus points. So part of the problem was the fact that they didn't have a championship. They just had the last regular season game of the season and then they were going off points. So, I mean, how they had it structured was flawed anyway, but from my perspective as an Ohio fan, I was pretty ticked off about that. You know, I'm still the whole reason I can't get behind the Raptors has nothing to do with the Raptors themselves. It has to do with the fact that they're in the same Metro as the stampede. I'm yeah, I'm still that. Well, no, I mean, uh, Sean Davies was with the uh, Ohio Aviators, so I was played with Sacramento. I, I'm I'm inclined to follow Davies, but I can't just because of the stupid stampede beating my Aviators. So hey, blame Doug and his non-existent money. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, what I don't stinge. want to see. What a, what a stinge! Uh, all right, uh, so what we do the next question <laughs> before we start fighting? Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, this is from 
Uh, Bob, Bob, Boberson, our, our friend Bob, wants to know, what is the future of the PRP? Is it going to be a feeder league or maybe a competing league? Or will teams uh, from it eventually join MLR or just slowly be cannibalized? Um, um, the future of the PRP is that it's a Division One competition on in, in Pacific South um, region of USA Rugby. So uh, it's just an amateur competition. It's the highest level of amateur competition on the West Coast, and that's what it's going to state. Um, is it going to be a feeder league? I think all the Division One competitions will become a feeder league. So you have the Midwest Rugby Premiership, you have the American Rugby Premiership, and then you have the Atlantic, Mid-Atlantic Rugby Premiership thing. Um, definitely not a competing D1. Um, cannibalized? I guess the players will get poached. <laughs> you know? That's what makes it a feeder league. So that makes – that's why I said it was a feeder league. But um, PRP actually, when when they were getting ready for the season, they actually expressly mentioned MLR and how a lot of their yeah. players and a lot of the players who will come to the PRP will be using this to, to jumpstart into MLR. Yeah. So the intent was to you know get a lot of players on tape and showcase them, um, so that they could get scouted. Um, and for those players that are older that aren't going to, I guess, make it or just, you know, want to play high level rugby, they have an outlet to play high level rugby. Very good. I've got no opinions on that. It doesn't have anything to do with uh, the stampede. So, uh, last question is also from Bob and this one's directed directly at Aaron. So Aaron, what is your exhaustive list of taco joints in San Diego? So, it's not, maybe, it's not exhaustive, but it's and, and, maybe, and maybe for those not familiar with this conversation, you explain where this is coming from. So I asked Rob Hoadley in my interview with him uh, what he like, what tacos, what's the what's the taco place he, he loves in San Diego? And he's like, you know, really haven't had time for tacos, Aaron. And I was like, all right, I'm going to send you a list, which I, I've sent to him. Um the top three taco joints in San Diego that I've been Taco to. Bell, Taco John's, and Del Taco. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have Taco John's. That's sort of a an East Coast, Midwest weird place. The, the tots at Taco John's are nice, though. Uh, the best place is Potato the Taco Olay's, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> the best place for tacos... And carne asada fries in San Diego is the taco stand in La Jolla, bar none. And then we've got City Tacos in North Park and Wahoo Fish Tacos, which is like a SoCal chain. Very good. So, All right. I'll keep that in mind. Aaron came through. Thank you. Uh, Bob, I hope you're listening. Uh, I think, Aaron, you'll have to tweet that out later. I will uh, definitely do so. All right, guys. That's it for questions. Uh, Any final thoughts for tonight? Actually, guys, I got a question of my own that I got actually from a a buddy of mine. Shout outs to Gabriel. He's asking me regarding the D1A College Rugby, since we were talking about it just now. Uh, He's wondering if only um, rank 
uh, teams can can play in the tournament. So, for example, if let's say mm. a team doesn't have a rank, can they still play? No. Yes. Oh, give a second. If they no. win their if they win their conference. So. Mm, okay. So what is it? Uh, There's seven the Red, conferences. The Red River Rugby Champion. It both Baylor and Texas A&M were unranked. Um, but by fact of winning their conference, they received a bid. So there are, there were eight guaranteed bids. The seven conferences that competed in D- D1A this year, um, the Liberty did not. Uh, supposedly the Liberty will participate in D1A spring playoffs next year. I don't know. Don't, don't shoot me. Um, I was told that they were a had something that was more official than a random article in a random organization that I will not name, but um, that D1A was that the Liberty was an associate member, but that the champion could compete for an at-large berth. Uh, there were no ranked Liberty teams this year. So there you go. Um, okay. So if you were conference champion or the top independent, you had an automatic berth. So that was every conference champion plus BYU. And then um, you had a bunch of teams uh, within the other conferences, like Rugby East had three teams ranked. Uh, Army, one of those, they're going to play CSU. And then Notre Dame College pulled out of the playoffs. And they were ranked number 10. And then CWU, they won their last game, but they sort of backed into the playoffs because they were getting whooped in the spring. But uh, Notre Dame College uh, did the math, and it just financially didn't work for them for some reason, um, even though it's been quoted as a varsity program. So hmm. That's sad. Go. Okay, well, thank you for the answer. I think that was kind of the reason people were having issues with it is because CSU, while they're ranked, they're not ranked in the top 16. Well, I, I think – so I understand conference champions getting a – getting in like that's the whole point like that's like an american system right however i think teams like lindenwood army and navy who are ranked way ahead of their competition should be hosting the game i i don't i think it's like um conference champions will push out ranked opponents yes but the seeding goes by ranking. That's how I would do it. All right. Well, well I, I have one more thing real quick. If, if they have to do that, then conference champions can't play each other. Because who, who's the number one seed? Uh, the number one seed is Life. Or not St. Mary's is the number one seed. Okay, because if you had just go by ranking, you'd have CSU playing St. Mary's. <laughs> Why is that a problem? Just saying. Why is that a problem? <laughs> I mean, whoever plays – I forget who's playing St. Mary's uh, this this week, but they're going to get demolished. Um, so, yeah. Hey, I'm only arguing because I went to CSU, okay? Uh, I, I, I know, but you're going to get wrecked by West Point too, so it's, it's not going to matter. <laughs> Black Knights. I got I to gotta make some sense of it in my head. <laughs> Sure, let's go with that. Oh, um, one actually final thought I had. 
Um, it's a bit personal on this side. So it was actually a shout out to my dad's alma mater, uh, Loyola of Maryland rugby, who won the NSCRO Mid Atlantic South Region Championship. And uh, scroll. Yeah, whatever. NRCRO. Um, Loyola is now headed to Life University for the championships on April 27th. I actually don't even know how the format is, but I think there are like two days of championships or three days of championships that are taking place down there. So congrats to them. Go slob. Cool. And a quick final thought for me. I just, uh, as Aaron mentioned earlier, we're kind of still buried up here in Iowa for some reason. Uh, winter just doesn't want to let go. And it's starting to impact uh, my local rugby plans. I was planning on going out to a high school sevens tournament uh, last Friday, and uh, it was actually snowed out. They canceled it because of the weather. So I thought they probably could have played. I mean, it was in the 20s. No big deal. Get a plow. Just get a plow. They're, they're, they're running around. They're, they'll be fine. But for just play reason, snow rugby. Yeah, they didn't want to put um, the kids out in the out in the field. I know that. In, so Fisher's High School, shout out to Fisher's High School, they they've played two snow rugby games this year, um, in Indiana. I've I'm a friend with, I'm a one of my friends uh, is a big time supporter of Fishers, and uh, she posts a lot of photos, and they have played in some nasty weather this year. Oh, good for them. Yeah, we're not doing that here apparently. So uh, hoping for uh, some clearer weather ahead so they can reschedule that tournament because it was going to be. Uh, Nine, uh, nine or ten teams from around the state coming to Cedar Rapids, and that would have been a lot of fun to see. So it's nice to see uh, we've, we've now got three high school uh, sevens teams in, in the city, and that's uh, new within the last three years. So nice. nice to see the game growing locally as well as nationally. It's really encouraging. So keep it up, everybody. So with that said, guys, I don't think we have any more final thoughts. So let us go to the end of the show. Again, this was episode 31 of the Evolve Dirt Major League Rugby podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. Hey, also, guys, um, go and check out our website, EarfulOfDirt.com, where great people are writing stuff. My great people, of course, I'm talking about Josh. Uh, also, make sure to add us to your podcast feed at iTunes, Google Play, ACAST, Spire FM, and Stitcher. And make sure to also call us at our voicemail with the number, which is the following, 1720-600-2679. Make sure to leave us a voicemail on that. With all that said, guys, once again, my name is Victor. Again, that was Josh, that was Corey, that was Dan, and that was Aaron Castro. And we will see you guys next week. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us. 